Compassion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. It's great to have you if you're a newbie here at Crosswinds, because my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors, and we are studying this book of Genesis. We are in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25 is where we're picking up this morning. So everybody get out your copy of God's Word. Turn to Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. I don't mind. I don't care if that's an iPad or if that's a Bible. Do whatever you need to get there. Also, take out your notes. We have just essentially huge, big cuts of text for our notes this morning. Um, just to tell you a little bit more. Right now in this section of Genesis, we are studying a guy named Jacob. Jacob is a very interesting character. Um, we have studied in the last few weeks his marriage. The guy only wanted to marry one, one woman, but things totally got jacked up and messed off. The guy ends up finding himself married to two wives at the same time. And some of you younger guys are like, hey, that would be pretty cool. Uh, it's actually not. We have learned this as we've studied this. This isn't like a great idea. This ends up being a terrible idea. These two wives, who are actually sisters named Rachel and Leah, are in constant tension. Jacob's home is constantly in turmoil because these women are like having some serious girl fights some chick fights back and forth trying to figure out who can grab the attention and maintain the attention and love of their husband. It is a messy, it is an ugly situation in his home. Let me tell you a little bit more about these women just to bring this back to our minds and set the stage. One of these women is named Rachel. Rachel is the woman that he served her father seven years for. Rachel is a beautiful woman. Uh, Jacob is completely and passionately in love with Rachel. They have a wonderful relationship. But here's the problem. At least for the first seven years of her marriage, she cannot provide her husband the one thing that every wife would like to give, and that is children. For seven years, she's not been able to conceive a child no matter what she does. But Jacob is also married to Rachel's older sister named Leah. Laban, uh, their father, his father-in-law, slipped to the older sister in the bedroom on the wedding night. And so uh, Jacob woke up one morning completely surprised after his wedding to find out he had the wrong woman in bed. Now, Leah is sort of like the exact opposite of Rachel. While Rachel is a stunning beauty, the Scripture says that Leah was soft on the eyes. <laughs> it's a nice way of saying uh, she didn't look that good at all. In fact, her name in Hebrew, Leah, means cow. Whenever you call a woman the cow, it's not a compliment. That's what she's like. In fact, it says that Jacob literally hates her. He's married to her, does not love her at all, does not trust her, does not find her attractive, doesn't want to be with her, but he's stuck married to her by terms of a contract with her father. 
Here's the one thing she has going for her that her sister doesn't. Why his sister can't seem to conceive for the first seven years, Leah is about as fertile as they come. I mean, she is just cranking out kids left and right, like one after the other. Six kids in almost nothing flat. This is what's going on. Now, what happens at the end of uh, this 14 years or seven years of marriage Actually, what ends up happening is Jacob actually finds himself married to a total of four women. He has 12 kids only in seven years. And where we learned last week is that this is what you call like one of the most dysfunctional families in the entire Bible. And our message last week is about how God takes and He can use dysfunctional families, completely messed up families, and he can use them for his honor and his glory and his displays of his grace in amazing ways. Because the, the 12 children born in this family become the foundations of God's people, the very tribes of Israel. Though each name of these children is over the gates of the New Jerusalem. Talk about undeserved and amazing grace. And if God can take a dysfunctional family like that and use it for God's honor and glory, Trust me, he can take your family too. Even if it's messed up and weird and not the way you expected it, he can use it for his honor and glory, and he will. Today, as we pick up the story, we move from a dysfunctional family that Jacob had to a completely dysfunctional workplace where Jacob worked. Now, you just need to understand here that um, Jacob has sort of found himself married into the family business. He's working for Laban, which is Rachel and Leah's father. And you need to understand what this guy is like. Laban is one of the most miserly, crooked, tight-wadded bosses that exists on the planet. It's like the worst guy to work for, you know, bar none. You think the boss that you work for is hard? You think the boss that you work for is bad? You have not seen anything until you look at what Laban is like and what it is like to work for him. Every single time he gets the opportunity, he completely shafts his employees. He rips them off. He manipulates them and he uses them. And he does this to Jacob again and again and again. And Jacob is stuck working for him. And he can't seem to break away. So that is what we are going to study this morning. Uh, what God does in our completely dysfunctional work environments and how we can handle it to his honor and his glory and we can see how God can turn things around there just like he can turn things around in our dysfunctional families. Now, before we actually study the text, I need to tell you something. I hope you guys brought some snacks this morning because we're going to be around a while. This is one of those long texts to study. It's a long unit of thought. Uh, but just to tell you why we have a lot of texts to study this morning, the good news is that there is some seriously funny biblical humor along the way. So and trust me, you're going to get some good laughter as we go through here and some memorable things as we study. So let's go ahead and put our finger in the text and just jump right in. Beginning in verse 25. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, 
Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. And Jacob said to him, Well, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? Last week, we saw that Rachel, uh, when she had her first child, they were about seven years into marriage. And now, at this point, uh, Jacob has been away from his home for about a total of 14 years serving Laban. Seven years, he uh, ended up serving him what he thought was for Rachel, and then the big switch on the wedding night. Now they've had another seven years. And here's the way it was originally planned. Jacob was originally to be gone for a few months, which has turned into 14 years. And he's sort of thinking, you know, I haven't been able to text mom and dad. Uh, there's no Facebook. It hasn't been invented yet. Nobody knows what actually has happened to me. I should probably connect with mom and dad. I should probably go home and I should show them and introduce them to my wife and to my other wife and to my other wife and to my other wife and try and explain this incredibly complicated, messed up situation. And I'd like for them to at least be able to meet some of my 12 children while they're still in diapers. You know, I need to be able to get out of here and go home. I wasn't supposed to be here this long. But Laban is a businessman. Laban knows that Jacob is essentially one of those incredibly crucial and important employees. employees. The success of Laban's family business is essentially all because of Jacob's involvement in it. It was a small business. It was a faltering business. Jacob got involved, and it really took off. And you know what? So what Laban does is he makes Jacob, Jacob a counteroffer. And I love this counteroffer. Think about this. He says this, I have learned by divination that God has blessed me because of you. I've been talking to the demons, and the demons say that the reason for my business success is because of you. I'm sorry, Jacob, I really can't let you go. Now, I told you Laban was a messed up boss when he's finding out that the success of his business through demonology uh, is coming through Jacob. I don't know what this guy was into. Maybe he was doing tarot cards. Maybe he was tweaking around with Ouija boards. I don't know what he's into. Maybe he was going to the palm reader that was down in Arnold's Park, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but he is definitely involved with something that is not good. And this comes out in the way he works. So essentially, he says to Jacob, you name what you want. Here's my counteroffer. What do I need to do to keep you here? The demons say you can't go. Tell you what, I'll throw you on the company dental plan. I'll throw you on the company vision plan. I'll even give you a company car if it means you'll stay and keep working for me. That's essentially what he does. Uh, 
Now, Jacob is very honest. He says, your business was in shambles. I have made it incredibly profitable. He's a little bit like Willie Nelson on Duck Commander, you know? Like, the duck call business wasn't that big until all of a sudden Willie Nelson came along and when it, it went, went big time. That's what Jacob has done. But here is the problem. While Jacob is the key to the success of the family business, Laban has not been sharing any of the profits. Laban has been keeping all the profits in the business to himself. That's literally what is going on. He says, notice the very last line of the text that we can read. How can I continue to, or how can I provide for my own family? Laban is driving a Ferrari to work. Laban is eating steak every night. Jacob goes home. He has 16 mouths to feed, and all he can afford is ramen noodles. Jacob is still going to work on a used moped. There's a real disparity here. Here's the deal. Laban is a crook. Laban's key is how can I use family for my success? Not can, how can I take my success and bless my family? It's the other way around. And Jacob has a right concern. I have a family. I have wives. I have children. It is my responsibility as a husband to provide for them. I have hungry mouths to feed. While Laban is rather plump and happy, Jacob and his family are rather skinny and hungry. That is essentially the problem. And why is this happening? Because Laban loves money and he uses people. But the problem is you should love people and use money. You see how they're backwards? Laban loves money and uses people. But as Christians, we are to love people and to use money. And he's taking advantage of those who are part of his family. You guys ever do this? Some of you have skills and you can do all kinds of things, but you're afraid to work for family? Because you know if you work for family, they're going to say, well, because you're family, we're not going to give you your paycheck. <laughs> or because you're family, I'll only pay you half. And eventually you sort of are afraid to work for family because you know that they're going to essentially shaft you and take advantage of you. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. Well, the reality is, if you're working for a family, the family should be loving people and using money. They should use that opportunity to bless whoever they can in their family. And they should bless their family even more than they can bless um, outsiders. So what you have is Laban is uh, doing well. Jacob is hungry. The story continues. And he said, well, what shall I give you? Jacob makes the counteroffer. Jacob said, well, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb. And the spotted and speckled among the goats 
and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come to look into my wages with you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted as stolen. Laban said, well, good. Let it be as you have said. But that day, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were spotted and speckled and every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all of the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, that they might breed among the sticks. For the feeler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly, and he had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Let me just summarize what happened here. Jacob made a counteroffer. Here's the deal, Laban. I will continue to pasture your flocks. You don't even have to give me anything. Here's what I'll do. I will go through your flocks today and I'll set aside all the spotted, all the striped, and all the speckled ones and I'll have those as my wages. What Jacob is doing is he's trying to start his own little side business, literally called the Odd Sheep Company. And that's what it is. The Odd Sheep, not the Solid Colored Sheep. And I did some research into this and this is what I found. Interesting. In this part of the world, the sheep are generally solid in color. There are some that are spotted and mixed, but it's an 80-20 ratio typically. 80% are solid in color, and 20% sort of had the spotted or speckled genes in it. So this is what Jacob is saying. Here's the deal, Laban. I'll pull all the odd sheeps to the side, I'll take care of those. That'll be my, those will be my wages. I'll get about 20%. I'll take care of your 80% for free. That's what I'll do. I'll take care of all of it as long as I get to keep the odd ones, my little side business. So as you profit and as I profit, both of our incomes will go up together. Does that sound fair? It gets free sheep tending, right? Uh, But here's what Laban does. He agrees to it, but I told you he's a crook. I told you he shafts his employees 
anytime he gets a chance. And this is what he does. As soon as he agrees to it, he goes through his flocks and pulls out all the spotted and speckled sheep and goats. And he sends them on a journey, three-day journey away with his sons. So Jacob goes into the flocks and he goes to look for the ones that are his initial starting sheep and goats, the ones that are his wages, and guess what? They're gone. Completely gone. Remember who Laban is shafting. This is his son-in-law, who has married his two daughters, who is trying to get more food on the table to feed Laban's daughters and grandchildren. I told you, this guy is nasty. He is a tough, terrible boss to work for. He is a greedy, money-grubbing cheeseball. This is just a beginning of the window into what it was like for Jacob to work for Laban for the last 14 years years. It was like this again and again and again, working for a terrible boss. It began on the wedding night. Remember where he switched women? And it continues all the way here where he steals his entire paycheck. I told you, it's a dysfunctional work environment. It's a bad place to go. And as we continue, we're going to see how you respond to this and how you handle dysfunctional places to work. The first thing we see, Jacob was resourceful. Some people say, well, okay, we just want to pray about this. So Jacob prays about it, and we'll see about that more later when we get to the next chapter. But Jacob was also resourceful. He does something that really throws the commentators off. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't seen a lot of guys deal with this, I think, efficiently and rightly, but I'll just give you my take on it. What Jacob does is he takes and he gets these sticks of almond and poplar and he peels them and he reveals some of the white inner parts of the wood and he puts it in the water where the feeding troughs are. Because when the sheep and the goats are, are there, they're drinking and they're seeing these striped and spotted sticks and at the same time there's mating going on. Now, what is happening? In this culture, at this time, it was believed that the outcome of uh, you know, the animals was determined by what they saw when their young was conceived. Now, you and I have all been to high school biology class. We understand DNA, and at least we, can, we know what DNA is, and we understand that this is ludicrous. That, that does not influence the outcome of what the baby lambs and baby goats are going to be. We know that's not true. But guess what? Jacob didn't go to high school biology class. This is what was taught and this is what was believed in his culture. So what we see is this. Here is the point. Jacob, when he was shafted by Laban, he actually took some initiative to try and extricate himself from a really tough, broken business situation. Do you see that? He went and he tried to influence and, out and create the outcome of having striped and speckled and spotted lambs that would be his wages. It's a totally fair thing to do. He's just doing what he knows best, even though we know 
It doesn't actually work that way. He doesn't. In fact, we see this same theme that he is trying to do the best he can to get himself out of a tough business situation in the very next section because he only does this with the really strong and healthy of the flock, right? So his plan is that the ones that would be born spotted and speckled that would be his wages would be the strongest and healthiest in the flock. And the feebler ones, he doesn't put the, the sticks into the feeding trough. Because he's a, they can be born to Laban. I don't care. Here is the point of application. A number of us in our life, in fact, all of us in our life, will find ourselves in completely difficult situations. Very tough situations at work and very tough situations at life. And there are two responses that we typically see with Christians. Some Christians say, well... I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to pray. Because God has to save me. God has to change me. And is that true? Yes. God is the one from whom your rescue comes. Other Christians go the other way. And they say, I'm the one who has to save myself. I'm the one who has to work extra hard. I'm the one who's going to save me. Uh, that's true and it's not true. You do have to work hard. The answer is, when you find yourself in a tough business situation, in a tough life situation, you have to do both. We're going to see this in the text. You have to do what Jacob did. You have to do the hard work of like watching the breeding and trying to do what you can to get yourself out of the bad situation. But ultimately, you are not the one who rescues yourself. Ultimately, God is the one who rescues and saves you. So we do both. Now what we're going to see as we continue on, Jacob at first thinks it's balanced towards him saving himself with putting these sticks into the feeding troughs. As he goes on, he eventually realizes that the, where the salvation for his incredibly tough business situation comes from is not sticks in the feeding troughs. It is the God of the universe. Okay? So that is how it works. What do we do in a tough situation? We pray hard and we work hard. And this is what happens. Over the next six years, this typical 80-20 percentage begins to change. More and more spotted and speckled sheep and goats begin to be born in Laban's flocks. The wealth starts to shift from Laban over to Jacob. And it's not about the sticks in the trough. It's about God and his grace and answering Jacob's prayers. Jacob's methods were faulty, by the way. But at least he was praying and working hard together. Now let's see how this story continues. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were starting to say, Jacob has actually taken all that was our father's. And from what, our father, what was our father's, he has gained all of his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. And he said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. 
but the God of my father, not the sticks, notice that, the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all of my strength, yet your father has cheated me, and he's actually been changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And in the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that made it with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see, all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. There's the crooked boss. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now, Arise and go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our fathers belongs to us and to our children. Now then, Whatever God has said to you, do. Here's what happens. Jacob has become a raging success in his odd sheep business. That is what's going on incredibly well. Laban's sons are jealous of him. Laban himself is jealous of him. It's not comfortable in the family business anymore. And some of you know what this is like. Some of you who have become incredibly successful in business, you know that all of a sudden, once you get successful, sort of relationships start to change. Because if people realize that you're worth something and you're worth a lot of something, they start to treat you differently. Especially if it seems like it's all coming from their pocket. That is what's going on for Jacob. And Jacob at this point has been realizing that it, his success was not really coming from sticks in feeding troughs. His success was coming from God himself. Because J Laban was changing his wage scale again and again and again. And every time Laban tried to shaft him, God came to the rescue by determining that the exact one that were Jacob's wages would be born in Laban's flock. Interesting how this works. Now, at this point, Jacob is realizing it is time to get out of town. Not only is it an uncomfortable work environment, but God has told him it is time to get out of town. So he brings his wives out into the field so we can have one of those private conversations because <laughs> you can't really have those when you work around your boss. And he s explains this to them, how God seems to be deciding to take them out of town. And I love what the ladies say to him. They say, for once, we actually agree about something. And here's why we agree. A couple reasons you need to know. Number one, um, you know, he has taken our inheritance and he's cut us out of it. What we find at this point is that in the will, Jacob, or Laban, excuse me, has taken his daughters out of the will. There's no money left to them in the will. 
Not only that, but he has consumed all the money that was paid for them. What happens is this 14 years of Jacob serving Laban, the dowry money, that was supposed to be something you kept in savings. Apparently, what Laban did was go to Vegas and spend it all. It's all gone. Not only that, but the wives have noticed that dad doesn't look out for them anymore. He said, they say, dad is treating us like foreigners, not like family. You're right. It is time for us to do this major, huge breakaway. We are going to join you in leaving the family business and getting out of town. And here's where it gets interesting. So Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole uh, her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he had intended to flee. And he fled with all that he had, and he arose and he crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. And when it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did, you seek, why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourines and lyre? And why did you not permit me, permit me to kiss my sons and daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. For now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Well, because I was afraid. For I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods, though, shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours, and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. What Jacob had done is he waited till Laban was on a business trip, one of those long business trips, because when you did sheep shearing, you had men in the fields for multiple days. So he waited for the right opportune time. He grabbed the camels, which is the Hebrew version of a U-Haul, packed up his stuff, and got out of town. But notice this. This is going to become very important. But Rachel stole her father's gods. We'll get back to that in a moment. 
Three days till he realized he was gone. Seven days to catch him. Laban is angry. Laban is fuming. Laban is mad. He has kinsmen with him. He is planning on seriously punishing Jacob. He is planning on seriously beating him up and teaching him a lesson. That is what's going on. Things are about ready to get ugly. But just as God is the one who supernaturally controlled what the outcome of the flocks would be, to switch the wealth from Laban to Jacob, God is the one who supernaturally breaks into Laban's dreams by night and tells him, don't you dare touch or harm Jacob. These are important things to notice. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that you and I worship and know through His Son, Jesus Christ, is actively involved in everyday life and everyday business. Are you seeing this? He is involved in the success of the business of Jacob and the destruction of the business of Laban. He is involved in saving Jacob and his family and his business from disaster. God is actively involved. And here is where it gets interesting. Laban thinks his success has come from his gods. Isn't that what you typically worship a god for? To have success in life. But what is going on with Laban's gods? How successful are they at protecting themselves? How successful are they at protecting Laban and his business? Now here's where the humor comes. And by the way, this is the Bible's humor, not my own. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of his two female servants looking for his gods that he's supposedly going to save his life. But he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods of her father and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of, woman, of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Do you see this contrast here? Jacob's God is actively involved in his business and in saving his life. Laban's gods can't protect themselves from being stolen. Laban has to go rescue his gods, where Jacob's gods rescue him. Laban's gods cannot protect themselves from being sat on by a woman who is having her period. That is how weak and impotent they are powerless to extricate themselves from that situation. But Jacob's God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we serve, is completely powerful and can change the outcome of a business and can change the outcome of a life and can save us from anything. That is part of the main message that is going on when Moses has written this down as he's writing this. And you can see somebody who worships and follows household gods reading this. Uh, 
So which God do you want to serve? The kind that Laban did or the kind that Jacob did? The one true God of the universe who can bring success to your business and safety to your life. My business is not my business. My business is God's business. And He is the one who's in charge of it. He is the one who can change it. Not Warren Buffett. Not anything else this world is telling you but what is important. Not like Laban's household gods. The one true God of the universe is large and in charge of all things. Now let's wrap this up. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all my household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. And then here is the window of what it was like working for Jacob for these 20 years. For 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. What was torn by wild beasts, I didn't bring it to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether it was stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, by day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night. And sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you last night. Jacob has been a model employee. He worked extra hard to take care of the pregnant sheep so they didn't miscarry. He made sure he never even ate any of the sheep for himself. He bore the losses of the animals on his own paycheck. He worked the night shift. He worked the day shift, in the hot and cold. He worked incredibly hard for the success of Laban's business. And how did Laban treat him every time he worked so hard, so long, and bore the losses himself? Laban shafted him ten times changing his wages. Every time it seemed like Jacob was getting ahead, Laban changed the wages to make sure he get, came behind. But who is the one who rescued Jacob? The one true God of the universe, not the sticks in the feeding trough. You see, Jacob worked hard, but God was the one who gave him the results and the success in his business. Time and time again, Laban went to hurt him, but time and again, God rescued him and rescued his business and his family and his life. Here is a key point I want you to remember. God knows exactly what is going on in your office and your workplace. God knows how you are working and how you are treating those who work for you. God knows if you are a boss that is like Laban that you love money and you use people. 
He knows if you're a boss who rips off your employees and takes advantage of them whenever you get a chance. He knows if you're a boss who's greedy for profit and who doesn't take care of their own family because they love money more than they love people. And here is the thing you need to understand. God can very quickly raise your business up or just like Laban, he can take your business down in response to how you work. And at the same time, you, can, you need to understand that if you are an employee, you are just like Jacob. God is watching how you serve your boss. He knows if you're an employee that is lazy. He knows if you're an employee that is taking advantage of your boss. He knows that if you are going out of your way to do your boss good, or if you're too lazy and you wouldn't protect your boss from harm. God is watching, and He will reward you based on how you work. My business is not my business. My business is God's business, and He is large and in charge of it. I want to give you this challenge. You are not working for a paycheck you are working to please and honor the one true God of the universe. And He will take care of you accordingly. He knows if you're like Laban as a worker, and He knows if you're like Jacob as a worker. And over time, you will be surprised how He can honor those who honor Him and dishonor those who dishonor Him. Honor Christ in all you do on the work environment and He will take care of you. It's not a paycheck you're looking for. It's the honor of your heavenly Father. Now let me give you these uh, quick takeaway points before we go to the end here. Number one, realize you are working for an audience of one. For 20 years, what we have is Jacob served a crooked boss faithfully. And even though his family was hungry, God was watching. God is watching. You're working for an audience of one. Number two, seek the God who can change your life. Many times people are seeking Warren Buffett's and they're seeking all these other things that are just like the God of Laban who are powerless to save themselves and powerless to save you. The one true God of the universe is the only one who can save your life and change it. And lastly... God wants to set you free from slavery. Where does that come from? Jacob was stuck as a slave working for Laban, but God set him free. Jacob's descendants, the 12 tribes of Israel, were stuck working as a slave in Egypt for Pharaoh, but God set them free. Each one of us is a slave to sin with Satan, over top and controlling all of it. But God set us free through His Son, Jesus Christ. As we close, we're going to take communion. For the one true God, remember, that can set us free. He set Jacob free. He set you free. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank You for this long text, but it's a good text, to remind us that You are in charge of our business, and you are in charge of our life, and you are the one who can rescue us from those who are oppressing us. 
Lord, we thank you uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died and set us free from the greatest oppressor of all, Satan, sin, and death. We ask this in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.